Amen. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of James chapter 4, which is where we're going to start here in just a moment. And just a reminder of where we've come to this evening as we've made our way to this point. And tonight, with the Lord's help, I'd like to speak for a few moments about developing a daily time with God and practically speaking what that looks like. Uh, But just to remind you about where we've come from, we began speaking Sunday morning about the need for the new birth, how critical it is that every person experience regeneration by the power of the Spirit of God. And when that takes place, that is the beginning of a relationship with God. He wants to relate to us. He wants us to know Him And he wants to make himself known to us, which is what we talked about Sunday evening, that he is a God who reveals himself. He has gone to great trouble to let us know who he is, what he is like, what his priorities are, and he is calling us to be in relationship with him. Then we uh, spent a couple of nights talking about the fact that God wants us to respond to him. He's the one who initiates He's the one who reaches out to us with communication, with revelation, but he wants us to respond. First of all, we respond to him in repentance as we realize the the areas of our life where we come short of the image of Christ. We submit to God's desire to change us. Then we respond with obedience as we seek on a daily basis to walk with him, to make sure that our steps are ordered by his word and by his will making sure that we're living in a way that is in accordance with what God would have for that day so that we might please Him. Then we talked last night about the response of prayer, and we really dwelt more on the side of the spontaneous prayer throughout the day as we walk with God and we observe His hand in our life. We realize and recognize that He's working in and through us, and as we respond to Him in prayer... We're talking with God, carrying on a conversation with Him throughout the day. Now, tonight, we want to talk about the importance of developing a daily time with God. Because if we believe that God is a God who wants to reveal Himself, and He wants to direct our steps, and if we believe that He is a God who speaks primarily through His Word, then it's going to be very important for us to make sure that we spend some time every day seeking God's face and uh, desiring to know his, his agenda, His plan, desiring to hear from Him, allowing our minds to be shaped by the revelation of God. Tonight, if you're in James chapter 4, verse 8, the Scripture says this, "...draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded." And I want you to think about that phrase... Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. I wonder if sometimes the reason that it seems God is far away and that we do not have the freshness of that relationship with Him, the vitality of sensing that we are walking with Him and and knowing the reality of His presence, I wonder if a lot of that is because we have not taken the time to seek after Him to draw nigh to Him. Of course, the idea of drawing nigh means to come close. 
It, it has the idea of, of coming near to his heart, uh, coming into a place where we understand his way of thinking and the truth that he has declared to us. And so tonight, with God's help, we want to give you just some practical thoughts about what it means to develop a daily time with God. I'd like, first of all, to, to ask and answer the question, why have a daily time with God? And believe it or not, there are some folks who teach today that you don't really need to have a daily time with God. It's not that important, not that necessary. And some of it, I think, is, is a little bit of a reaction. Uh, some people have taken the daily quiet time, time with God, and they've made it... Uh, with a lot of rules around it and a lot of things that now if you don't do this, then you're not really a Christian or you're not really walking with God. And there's been a little bit of a reaction to that. And and that reaction, unfortunately, has come over to this side. Well, it's just not that important to have a daily time with God. Now, I would would beg to differ. And so tonight, I want to answer the question, why should we seek to have a daily time with God? I'll give you five practical reasons why we would want to have a daily quiet time. First of all, consider this, a daily quiet time shapes our direction for the day. Psalm 37 and verse 23 says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that my day is set up in such a way that I'm living in the direction God wants me to live, that I'm taking the steps he wants me to take, that I'm walking according to his will. Now, how am I going to know God's direction for the day? How am I going to know what he's up to if I'm not bothering to take that daily time with him to seek his face and ask him, Lord, what are you up to? What are your priorities today? And allowing his word to shape my mind. Probably in your family, you do something like we do in our family. Oftentimes in the morning, my wife and I will ask each other, now what do you have on your schedule for today? What's going on today? Where are the places that you need to be? Where are the places that I need to be? And we compare notes a little bit about, okay, where's everybody going? Now as our our children are starting to get older, and so now we we ask our daughter, okay, are you working today? What 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 are your goals? Where are you headed today? And just making sure that we're all knowing where everybody else is. You know, in the same way, when we spend time with God in the morning and we, we get alone with Him, it shapes the direction for the day. Oftentimes, God can implant in our mind through His Word a direction for the day or an emphasis for the day. And it's amazing how God will often give us what we need in the morning in our quiet time with Him. We don't know that we're going to need it yet. Later on in the day, we realize, wow, the Lord gave me exactly what I needed early this morning when I spent time with Him, and now I I see why He was speaking to me about that. A second reason why we could have a daily time with God or should have a daily time with God is because daily quiet time acknowledges God in my life. When I take time with God every day, it acknowledges that that my relationship with him is important. You know, every relationship depends on regular communication. And this is just as true in our relationship with God. 
Your relationship with your family depends on, on communication. Your relationships in, at work depend on communication. Our relationship with God depends on communication. And when I take time to spend with God every day, it acknowledges that God is important. It acknowledges that I have a relationship with Him and that I want to continue that relationship with Him. Would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3 real quickly? Proverbs chapter 3, very familiar verse, but I want you to look at it with your eyeballs tonight. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now that word acknowledge means that we are recognizing him. It means that we are, we are paying attention to the fact that he is a part of our life. I want to ask you a question tonight. How can we say that we are trusting the Lord if we are not acknowledging the Lord? If we're ignoring God, if we're not really even spending any time with Him at all or, or seeking to understand His perspective, if we're never spending time with God, I don't think that we can say, well, I really trust the Lord. Because obviously you're not even making the time to spend any time with Him. How could you say that you're trusting Him? But we want to trust Him with all of our heart. We don't want to lean to our own understanding. What I know is that I easily lean to my own understanding. I very easily lean towards that side. And I need to make sure that I am consciously acknowledging God. Spending time with God every day acknowledges God and sets the tone in my mind and in my life that God's priorities are important. And that leads us to the third thought tonight of why we should have a daily quiet time and that is that daily quiet time really sets my priorities. It sets my priorities for the day. Now, I'm sure that if you are a fairly busy person, you get up in the morning and you may, in your mind, make a checklist of things that need to get done, uh, jobs, chores that need to be cared for, priorities for the day. Maybe you even prioritize your list. These are the things that I need to get done first. This will be second. This will be third. And I need to get them done in that order. But I want to say tonight that our time with God should be such a high priority. It should be something that really comes first in our life. And when I put God first in that way, it's going to set the rest of my day in such a way that I'm living according to God's priorities and not according to my own priorities. Do any of you ever struggle with this, living according to the wrong set of priorities? Then you get to the end of the day and you say, ah, oh, I didn't do the things that God wanted me to do today. I, I frittered away my time doing all of this other stuff. And so we learn that priorities are very important. Daily quiet time really helps us to set our priorities in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. But then also, and we've already looked at John chapter 15 a couple of times this week. So John 15, 4 says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. So if we're going to abide in Christ, that word abide means to dwell in or to dwell with, to be at home with Christ. If we're going to be at home with Christ, 
then it makes sense that we're going to need to spend time with him regularly, daily. He's going to need to be a part of our life. Now, obviously, we're not suggesting that daily quiet time is the end of our time with God. Rather, we're suggesting that this is really the beginning of our time with God. This fellowship with God that takes place sets us up for fellowship with God through the rest of our day. Daily quiet time really helps me to abide in the vine. Uh, That idea of being connected to the vine, uh, of course, branches receive their vitality, their nutrition through the vine. And when we're abiding in the vine, when we're connected to the vine, when we're receiving our nutrition, our sustenance from the Lord, then it, it makes sense that what God is speaking about is this is the source of nutrition. Because we know, for instance, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. We know that this is the milk and the meat that the believer needs for their nutrition, for their growth, the Word of God. We know that prayer is the lifeblood of the believer. That is what really uh, establishes this communication between me and God as He's speaking to me through His Word and as I'm speaking to Him in prayer. And so daily quiet time really helps me to abide in the vine. In fact, I would go so far as to suggest that if we're not spending regular time with God in His Word and communicating with Him in prayer, we're not abiding in the vine at all. We're, we're not connected to the vine the way that we ought to be. Number five, why have a daily quiet time with God? Well, this is a good reason. Because daily quiet time was the pattern of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Jesus, who is... God the Son. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1. He's God the Son, God in the flesh. He's divine. He's perfect, sinless, and holy. But Jesus, best we can tell from the Gospels, made it a daily priority to spend time in fellowship with God the Father. Mark 1 verse 35 says this, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, And departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus set an example for us of prioritizing time with the Father. He would go off by himself to a solitary place and then he would spend a great deal of time in prayer talking to the Father. Sometimes I wonder, what did they talk about? What was their communication about? What was it that God the Father and God the Son were conversing about? Wouldn't you like to have been there? To have heard what they talked about? Now, if you're curious and you wonder what kind of things Jesus would have talked to the Father about, it's interesting that God actually opens a window for us. We're not going to look at it tonight. John chapter 17 is a recorded prayer where Jesus prayed to the Father for his disciples. And if you want to know what kind of things Jesus talked to the Father about, you can go and read that chapter. It's really interesting, and it's also really encouraging, because what you'll find is Jesus was praying for you and for me. Praise God for that. But this daily quiet time was the pattern of Jesus. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. I think if, if Jesus felt that it was a necessity for him to spend time with the Father, why would I think that I can get by without spending time with the Father? 
If Jesus said it was important, then I think that I should also think that it's important. So I think these are five good reasons why you and I should seek to have a daily quiet time with God. But then I want you to think with me just for a moment about when our daily time with God should be. And I'm just going to throw out a couple of ideas here for you. I don't don't have any slides for you, so you'll just have to listen. But we noticed, and we just read in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, when did Jesus spend time with the Father? Early in the morning, wasn't it? There were also other times when Jesus actually went out in the middle of the night and he spent all night long in prayer into the early morning. So there's, there's that example. But generally speaking, we find that Jesus spent time with the Father in the morning. Now, we find in the book of Psalms, Psalm 55, turn there with me if you would. Psalm 55, verse 17 David's example is found here in this psalm, Psalm 55, 17. He says this, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. So three times a day, David went to prayer, and he said, The Lord is going to hear my voice evening, morning, and at noon. That's a pretty good pattern. When's a good time to spend time with God? Well, let me put it this way. I think, generally speaking, the morning is the best time for most of us to spend time with God. And there's some reasons for that. One, most of us are the freshest in the morning after we have had a night's sleep. Now, I realize that that there are differences of personality and approach. And some of you say, well, after my third cup of coffee, I'm the freshest in the morning. And that's fine. All right. But for the most part, after you've rested, after you've had some sleep, you get up in the morning, that's when your mind is clear. That tends to be when you have the the best ability to focus. That's when you tend to be at the top of your productivity game. And I think it's wise at that time to give some, some attention to God right there at the best part of your day and say, I'm going to honor God by giving him the very beginning of my day for some of the reasons that we just mentioned, because when you spend time with him first, it really helps to set the direction for your day. It helps to acknowledge God. It helps to make sure that he's the first priority that you're seeking after him. So generally speaking, I think the the morning is a good time. Now, there could be some exceptions. And each of us have unique situations in our life. For some of you, you know, some of you may work a night shift and you may say, you know, the the morning just is, is an awful time for me. Actually, I'm much more alert in the afternoon after I get up from sleeping, after I work. That's fine. Uh, maybe you're one of those people who is a night owl and you get the most done at the hours between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. And you say, that's the time that I can really focus on the Lord. Okay, there's not a rule that says you have to do it at a specific time. I would urge you to figure out what is the best time of your day that you could give some time to God and really focus upon him. And then whatever that time is, 
begin to build a habit of spending time with God. Because whether it is the morning or the evening or the afternoon, I think what we've learned is that all of us need to have that daily time with God. Now, let's ask the question and then answer the question, what should I be doing in my daily time with God? And at this point, I'd like to give you just some practical thoughts or suggestions about how you could spend some daily time with God. Before I say any of this, I want to just, first of all, encourage you, please don't be overwhelmed by what I'm about to say. I'm going to give a kind of a big picture of things that you could be involved in and things that you could do. And some of you may be here tonight, and, and frankly, you're coming because you're saying, you know, Pastor, I've really wanted to, to develop a better walk with God, and, and I really want to grow in this area, but, but honestly, I've just not been spending any time with the Lord. I find it to be very difficult. So if that's the case where you're at tonight, Please don't be overwhelmed by what I'm about to say because you're going to come away tonight and say, oh my goodness, pastor wants me to spend an hour and a half in the morning with God and I, I haven't been spending any time with God and that's so overwhelming. All right, so just listen to what I'm going to say. Jot some things down and then we'll talk about where you could start and how you could implement these things a little bit at a time because that's going to be a lot more manageable than saying, tomorrow morning I'll be spending two hours with God. I'm getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to spend two hours with God. If you've not been spending any time with God up to this point or you've just barely been reading your Bible, that is unsustainable and you will become discouraged very quickly. All right. So wherever you're at in this continuum, try to think about how can I grow in my walk with God, in my daily quiet time. So what can we do? Well, I think it's important for us to spend time in the Word. And the reason that it's important for us to spend time in the Word is because, as we've already talked about this week, the Word is how God communicates to us. Okay, listen to me carefully. God does not communicate to us today through dreams. God does not communicate to us through hunches and impressions. God does not communicate to us through some kind of a secret tapping language that we hear in the middle of the night. God communicates to us through His Word. If we want to hear from God and we want to know what God's priorities are and what is significant in the heart of God, if we want to know what God wants in our life, We must spend time in the Word of God. And so in order to spend time in the Word of God, I suggested here on the slide several things. First of all, you could, let me just list these and then we'll come back and talk about them. You you need to be reading the Word of God. Second of all, I suggest that you could study the Word of God. Third of all, you should be memorizing the Word of God. And fourth of all, you should be meditating upon the Word of God. So now let's talk about these individually. And let me just give you a couple of thoughts or pointers. And and maybe some of these things you say, I'm already doing these things. Wonderful. That's good. I want to encourage you to keep doing those things if you already are. Reading God's Word. Let me encourage you to have an organized approach by reading the scriptures in an organized way. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Sometimes people have this idea that it's spiritual to take their Bible 
and say, okay, God, now I want to hear from you. I want you to speak to me. And so I'm going to just go ahead and open. And wherever it opens, right there. All right, Ezekiel 3. This is what God says. I heard also the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another and the noise of the wheels over against them and a noise of a great rushing wheels, rushing creatures. Oh, wow. This is incredible. I wonder what God wants from me. He probably wants me to change the tires on the car today. I think that's what this is about. Now, you think I'm exaggerating, but honestly, this is how some people believe that they hear from God. They take the Bible, they flop it open wherever it is, they read a few verses, and they say, that's God speaking to me. That's not a good way to approach the scriptures, and this is the reason. Because you're, you're going to find it difficult to interpret what you're reading properly Unless you are well-versed in the scriptures, for instance, I just read to you from Ezekiel chapter 3, unless you know something about the book of Ezekiel and about these creatures that he's describing, you pick up a couple verses in Ezekiel chapter 3, you are going to be one confused Christian. So it helps us if we read in an orderly way and we learn about the things that we're reading, we come to the place where we have some understanding, some background about the books that we're reading, what is the context? When you read, for instance, books together and you read through the book, maybe a lot of times people say, well, where's a great place for me to start reading my Bible? The Gospel of John is a wonderful place. Oftentimes when people, when I'm talking with people who are unconverted and they say, you know, I'm curious about the Bible and I've always wanted to read the Bible, sometimes I'll hand them a copy of the Bible and I'll say, you can take this with you and I want to encourage you to start reading in the Gospel of John. I'll show them where it's at. Look, right here, start in John chapter 1 and read one chapter every day and as you're reading, ask yourself, what am I learning about Jesus Christ? What am I learning about who He is? It'll change your life. So when you learn to read in an orderly way like that, reading through books of the Bible, it can be a real help. Maybe you want to read through the whole Bible in a set time, like you want to read through the Bible in the year. Or maybe that's a little bit too ambitious for you. And so you're going to say, well, I want to read through the New Testament this year. By the way, to read through the Bible in a year, you're going to read approximately three chapters per day and if you read your Bible every day, you read three chapters approximately per day. Obviously, some chapters are longer, some are shorter, but roughly three chapters a day, you'll read all the way through your Bible in a year. But if you read through your New Testament, that's much shorter. You'll read fewer verses. I'm just saying this. It's good to have an organized approach. Maybe if you are just starting reading the Bible, you'd be better off, honestly, starting in the New Testament. And I, I often talk to people who say, I started reading the Bible and I started in Genesis chapter 1. Usually they don't admit that right away. I say, where did you start? Genesis chapter 1. I, I wanted to start in the beginning, just like all other books. I said, how did it go? Well, it was really good for a while. I said, yeah, you got about to numbers, didn't you? And then they look at me and they say, how'd you know? Well, because I've read it a few times. And most people who are not understanding the Bible are going to get to around Leviticus, maybe numbers. You know, they're trying to power through, and that's where they start losing momentum, and they say, this is crazy. All right, start in the New Testament. Start with the Gospels. Read about the life of Christ, and try to get some, some experience reading the Bible. It'll help you if you do that. 
Now, a reading schedule is often helpful. And the reason that a reading schedule is helpful is because you don't have to remember where you left off yesterday. You're not hunting around for your marker or whatever you put in your Bible to show where you left off. And then you can pick up tomorrow and you can read a little bit farther. A reading schedule can help you with that. Um, that you don't have to use a reading schedule. I like reading schedules, and some of you probably do too, but uh, that, that can be a real help. That's definitely better than just opening your Bible and, and flopping it open to a new place every day and, and picking up there and reading a few verses, because again, you're going to be confused. Now, there's other things you can do. For instance, you can read a psalm every day. You can read through the book of Proverbs the way that there's, there's 30... Uh, 30, 31 chapters in Proverbs. So I was doubting myself. All right, 31 chapters in Proverbs. And most months you can read uh, a, a proverb a day. And I know, I know folks who have done that for years just as part of their Bible reading. They read one chapter of Proverbs every single day. And sometimes uh, they'll do that maybe at their lunch break or something. And they want to glean from the wisdom of God. So you can do that. You can, read, you can read a couple of psalms every day. And the way that the psalms are broken up, you can do that. You know, you could read five psalms each day and in a month read through the entire book of psalms. Or you could do one psalm per day and in five months you would read through the book of psalms. Now, obviously, when you get to Psalm 119, you're going to have to do a little uh, fast reading or split it across a couple days, all right? So reading. Reading the Bible is important. Now, let me say something about devotional aids and books. And we sell some in our bookstore. There's some great ones that are out there that are really encouraging and really helpful. And you can, you can certainly benefit from them. Uh, Brother Tom Smith, who's a friend of mine, has written a couple of devotionals that we carry in our bookstore, Straight Paths, a daily devotional with a, a verse of Scripture and some thoughts from that verse. Of course, some of the classics that are out there. Uh, Charles Spurgeon wrote Morning and Evening. He actually wrote one for the morning, one for the evening. Those are usually great devotionals. There's a lot of those kind of things out there. The only caution that I would give you with that is don't let a devotional replace your own reading and study of the Word of God. Make sure that you don't substitute a devotional for you spending time with God. You can learn a lot from those, and they can be a help, but it it's... You don't want to get to the place where you're always expecting someone else to tell you what the Bible means. You want to, you want to start developing the discipline of understanding the scriptures for yourself. When you're reading the Word of God, learn to be quiet before, before God. Learn to be quiet as you read His Word and quiet your mind and think about what you're reading. This is very difficult in the day and age in which we are living. We struggle with being quiet. We often have things playing in the background. We, we, get, we get almost like a nervous tension if we're not checking what's on our phone right now and what's going on in the world. Oh, I got to check the weather. I got to order that thing. I got I to gotta look this up on the internet. And so really try to discipline yourself to be quiet before God and just spend this time you and the Word and the Lord. And that will help you a lot. All right, so read the Word of God. That's very important. I think you should try to do that every day. Then I think you should try to build some habits regarding studying the Word of God. And once you've started reading the Bible, you can start to layer in 
some study of the Word of God. And what I mean by study is exactly what it sounds like. You're going to dig deeper into what you're reading, and you're going to do some studying. For instance, you're going to find interesting words that are in the passage that you're reading. You're going to allow, really, you're going to allow your curiosity to be piqued by the things that you're reading. And then explore those things. As you become curious about things, you know, you're reading in the Gospels and it's talking about some feast that's going on. You say, what is that feast all about? Jesus went to this feast. What is that feast? Well, interestingly enough, those feasts are talking about in the Old Testament. And you could go back and find out what those feasts are all about. You could go to a Bible dictionary and look it up and find out some of the details and it'll shed some light on the passage. You'll find some interesting words. I wonder what that word means. It, it seems like a word that we're familiar with, but I don't know if I know exactly what it means. So go and get yourself a good dictionary. A Webster's 1828 is a great choice, freely available online. You can access that on your computer and, and there's no charge for it. And you can just look up that word and it's going to have a good definition, help you to understand in the English what that means. You can use a concordance, some of those kind of tools. We won't talk a lot about tools because I don't want to overwhelm you tonight. But learn to ask questions about what you are reading. We'll say more about questions in a little bit. Third of all, I suggest that time in the Word could involve memorizing Scripture. We know that memorizing is scriptural. God wants us to commit His Word to memory. He wants us to put it in our heart. And, of course, you know, as you, as you get older, memorizing may become more challenging. I'm always amazed how quickly my youngest children can memorize things. They can hear things three times and they've got it committed to memory at least long enough in their memory to get a piece of candy from their Sunday school teacher. Whether or not they remember it next week is up for grabs. But it is amazing how your mind is very, is very pliable when you're young. But don't, don't believe the lie that you're not able to memorize things when you get older. You can. Your brain is still flexible. You can still memorize things. You might have to work a little harder at it. But I'll tell you, there is nothing quite like memorizing the scriptures for helping your mind to deal with the temptations that come your way. And so learn to memorize the word of God. Learn to put it in your heart. There's all kinds of digital memory aids that you can use with your phone. There's all kinds of apps that can help you with this that will give you reminders for verses that you're, you're, you're memorizing. Or if you just want to do it the old school way, the old school way really works well. Get yourself a pack of three by five cards, spend 50 cents or a dollar and get a pack of them. And that'll keep you busy for a while. And you can write those verses out by hand and then you can put them in front of you during your day and you can memorize them. Meditating, I think, comes from memorizing. Meditation is when we set aside time to really mull over, to think deeply about the things that we're reading and studying and memorizing. And we allow those words to go over and over through our mind. Now, I know that sounds a little bit difficult, but actually you meditate every day and most of the day you are meditating. It's just a question of what are you meditating on. Many times what we're meditating on are the worries of the day, the burdens of the day, the difficulties, the things that are vexing our mind. And so we need to learn to really shape our thinking, direct our thinking, and, and force ourselves, encourage ourselves to meditate on the truth of God. One of the things that you'll find in walking with God is that 
in order to change the way that you think, you have to build new ways of thinking. You have to take out the lies of the enemy and you have to put in the truth of God. And so you need to be meditating on that and and you'll be surprised by how meditating on the truth of Scripture will change the way that you look at the world, the way that you perceive the things that are going on, the way that you even interpret the circumstances of life and how you handle the things that maybe before were a worry to you, but now you're learning how to deal with those scripturally through meditation. Now, meditation must be intentional or it will be neglected. If you're hoping that meditation will happen by accident in your Christian life, it's not going to happen that way. You're going to have to really discipline yourself. You know, it's, it's interesting to me, and, and a lot of times I'll read older books. I was reading uh, a book today uh, about a couple of preachers from the 1700s and some of their correspondence back and forth to each other. And it's very interesting because those two Baptist preachers were talking about their personal spiritual walk, their personal spiritual lives, and a lot of the things that they said sounded like the same struggles that we have today. The one guy was talking about how his prayer life His prayer closet, he called it, seemed to be very dull and boring. And he talked about how his mind would get distracted and how it would go off. And and the spontaneous prayers were so much easier to pray. And I thought, boy, that sounds familiar. That sounds like, you know, it's hard work to pray. It's hard work to keep your mind focused on what you're supposed to be praying about. It's the same with the Word. It can be difficult to meditate on the Scriptures, but don't let yourself be discouraged. Really be intentional about it, and then you'll find that your time in the Word can be profitable. So these are some things that you can do in regards to your time in the Word. We'll come back to this in just a moment and suggest another thing that you can do here in just a moment. But then second of all, I encourage you to spend some time in prayer as well. Now, last night we talked about how important it is to be spontaneous or responsive in prayer. So while you're reading the scriptures, you could be talking to God about what you're reading, asking Him about what you're reading, asking Him to help you understand. Of course, you can use a prayer list. There's all kinds of prayer needs that get shared here at church. We handed out a prayer bulletin last night with some needs on it. Uh, you probably have some needs that you pray about regularly, your family, uh, maybe some folks that you're concerned about who need to be saved, our missionaries, maybe there's some other things that are on your heart. So use some sort of a prayer list that'll help you to be organized. Um, I don't have time to deal with this tonight. Several years ago, I preached a message on organizing your prayer life. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere on Sermon Audio or on our, our message archive. You could find it online. And there was a lot of practical stuff that I talked about in that message about how to organize your prayer life in an effective way so you don't end up saying the same thing over and over and over again every day, but you end up talking to God about lots of different things and uh, and variety is really helpful in your prayer. So use a prayer list. I, I suggest as well maybe making a prayer journal. And if you learn to write down things that you're praying about and you, you talk about those things and then Note when God answers those prayers. Pay attention to when God is, is working on your behalf. One day you'll be able to go back and look at that prayer journal and say, wow, look at all these prayers that God has answered for me. Look how God has worked. That'll be a real encouragement 
to your heart. So make sure that you spend some time in prayer. Make sure that you set some time aside to talk to God. I would suggest on your knees, if you can, is really helpful. And uh, spend that time with the Lord. But then, third of all, record what God is teaching you. And this is where I think it's important to spend some time uh, just writing down simply what God is, is talking to you about. The, a journal can be really helpful, something to write some things down. There's digital journals that you can use. Of course, there's analog journals, paper and pen that you can use. Uh, several years ago, we talked about journaling and we uh, passed out some of these bookmarks. We have some of these in the track rack down the hallway. There's not a lot of them down there, and I didn't warn the secretaries that some of you might want them. So first come, first serve. If we need some more, we can print some up. This, this is helpful because it just has some things to contemplate as you're reading the Bible, as you're reading in the scriptures, what are some questions that you can ask? And I told you, questions are very powerful for opening up the text, for helping you to think about what you're reading. And so these questions can help you in, in regards to who God is as you're reading the scripture, in, in, re, in regards to the promises of God, what does God want me to do? Are there some things that I need to repent of that God is showing me? Uh, what does God want me to focus my life on today in response to what I've read? All right, so this can be helpful. And just jotting these things down creates a record of what God is doing in your life and something to look back to. Uh, sometimes at the beginning, well, every year, at the beginning of the year, I write some things down that are goals for my life. As I spend some time praying about, thinking about what God wants, it's really helpful then to go back later and look at those goals. And sometimes you think, oh, I forgot all about that goal. I, I should have looked at that a little more frequently, but there it is. I wrote it down and I wanted to work on that. Okay, let's, re- let's reset. Let's try to get back to that. And so record what God is teaching you. That can help you to be really specific about what God is speaking to your heart about. Some of you might enjoy having some kind of a nice journal and sometimes having a nice pen and a nice journal to write with makes it more enjoyable. If you're not wired that way, don't worry about it. Just get yourself some uh, college-ruled paper and a pencil and, and stuff it in the back of your Bible and write some things down or uh, one of those uh, coil-bound notebooks. That works fine, whatever, whatever you have on hand. Now, I'm going to encourage you that in, in regards to all of these things, your time in the Word, your time in prayer, your time uh, journaling, if you're going to choose to do that, set an attainable goal for growth in spending time with God. And I'm going to come back to what I said as we started talking about this. If you're not really spending any time with God at all on a daily basis, if you, if you say tonight, well, I'm going to spend an hour every day doing this. I'm going to spend time in the Word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend an hour every day. Chances are that you're going to get discouraged really quickly. So instead of saying, I'm going to spend an hour, set an attainable goal. Say, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to make it my goal every day to read two verses. And I'm going to think about those verses, and then I'm going to spend a couple of minutes in prayer. You say, come on, pastor, that's not enough. Well, if you're not doing anything at all, it would be better to start there. And then what you're going to find is that you can build from there. 
So start with an attainable goal. Now, if you're already spending some time with the Lord and it's fairly regular, maybe you want to challenge yourself to grow. Maybe you want to say, you know, I want to, I want to do some different things in my time with the Lord. I want to start studying some things. I want to, I want to maybe start journaling. I want, to, I want to structure my prayer life a little bit differently. I want to add this. Whatever it is that you're doing in regards to your time in the Word, in prayer, and journaling... It's always good to mix it up a little bit. I find that it's always helpful to do something different. This year, I said, in past years, I have read my Bible for the last several years on my iPad using an app. This year, I said, I'm not going to do that. This year, I'm not using the app at all. So if you haven't seen me on there, that's why I'm not on there. All right, I, I printed up, or I, I actually took a plan and I put it in the notes app in my phone and on my iPad so I know where I'm going to be reading each day. And then I have a Bible, a special Bible that is for my devotions that has room to write things with pens on the side margins. And that's what I've been using for my devotions. Now, there's times when that's a little challenging, like when I'm traveling, that sort of thing. But that's been a nice way to mix things up. It's something that's different. I found, this is just me, maybe it's not you, I found that when I was reading on my app, on my, on my tablet, it was too easy to switch over to other things to check out. Things would come in my mind and I'd say, oh, I'm just going to go check that real quick. And then I would get distracted in my time with God. So for me, it's helped me to focus. It's something different. I have some special pens that I use to write things down in the side uh, in the note margin of that Bible as I'm observing things, as God's teaching me things, and, and I want to make a note of those. So that's been different for me. Now, am I going to do that next year? I don't know. I might do something a little bit different. Uh, sometimes I read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in the year. Sometimes I say, you know what? I'm going to read through the whole Bible in 90 days. That's a challenge, all right, to do that. That's a lot of reading. Sometimes I say, all right, like this year, I'm on schedule to finish reading through the Bible by the end of October, and so then I'll have November and December, and I'm going to do something different in November and December. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. I'm just saying it this way, mix it up a little bit. Do things a little bit differently. Uh, Spend some time in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Try to vary your prayer life. Variety is the spice of life. If you find that your devotions are becoming boring then mix it up. God doesn't want you to be bored in his presence. He wants you to connect with him, and he wants to communicate to you. Does that make sense to you? All right, I've given you a lot of information. Let me just give you some questions for reflection as you go from here, some things to think about. First of all, what does my daily time with God look like right now? Just be honest. You're not trying to fool anybody. God knows So don't try to fool him. Just be honest with yourself and with him. If you're not spending any time regularly with him, then just be honest about it and say, I'm not spending time regularly with God. What would I like it to be? What would you like your time with God to look like? What would you prefer that it be? Second question, what one step could I take in my daily time with God to develop a deeper fellowship with him? Is there one thing that has been mentioned tonight that you say, you know, I think that would make such a difference in my devotional life? I, I don't know what it is, all right? But you ask yourself that question. Three, what one thing should I do to meditate during the day on what I'm learning in my daily time with God? Is there, do you ever struggle with this? You, you finish your Bible reading, 
five minutes later, you think, what did I read in my Bible? I didn't even remember what I read. How are you going to meditate on it if, you're, if you don't even remember it? You see what I'm saying? So what can you do to try to bring those things forward through the rest of the day? Maybe, maybe you need to make a note on a card, or maybe you need to make a note on your phone or something like that so that you could refer back to it and think about it. I don't know. What thing could you do to help you with that meditation? Fourth question, how would a journal help me with growing in my daily time with God? And, and your answer might be, it wouldn't help me at all. It's not required that you have a journal, all right? Maybe some of you say, that would be such a huge distraction to me. That would not help me at all. Okay, that's fine. Be honest with God about that. But maybe you say, that would really help me to write some things down. It would help me to remember. How would it help you? And how could you implement that in your spiritual walk? It's important for us to have, I believe, a daily time with God. If we have a daily time with God, that really is going to set the tone for our day and help us to spend the rest of the day, the other parts of the day, seeking Him and desiring His will and trying to walk in His ways. So let me encourage you tonight to really pursue after building the habit of a daily time with God. All right. Now let me mention, tomorrow night, I've I've settled on this thought, and actually I'm cheating. So tomorrow night we're going to deal with the function of the assembly in our walk with God. Why is it important that God has put us into a body, into a New Testament church? What does, what does the church have to do with my walk with God? That's what we're going to deal with tomorrow night. It actually has a lot to do with your walk with God. It's very, very important. Then, the reason I said I cheated is because I'm going to deal with the other thing that I was going to deal with tomorrow night on Sunday morning. Because I can, all right? So, because we finished the book of Colossians and I'm not starting a new series yet. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, I don't want to leave that part out. So, I'm going to deal with that Sunday morning. I'll say more about that tomorrow night. And uh, so, I guess we're going to extend the meeting a little bit into Sunday morning. Looking forward to, to sharing some of those thoughts with you.